millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, Vinaka, and welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Solomon Islands advance to the next stage of FIFA World Cup qualifying. We speak to Manu Samoa newbie Kieran Fonotia, and the flying Fijians find it tough against Australia. But first, the Pacific Games Council is threatening legal action in response to the Tonga government unilaterally withdrawing from hosting the 2019 Games. Council President Vidya Lakin and CEO Andrew Minogue met with the Prime Minister Akalisi Pohiva and two of his ministers last week in a last-ditch attempt to try and change their minds. But the Prime Minister said the Cabinet's decision was final and the government wished to focus its resources on other more important areas of economic development. Andrew Minogue says if there is no change by the end of the month, they'll begin legal proceedings. He said uh, quite clearly that the Cabinet's decision was final and they weren't open to negotiating with us around costs or financial concerns and their decision uh, was made, which um, was very disappointing to us. Today we've briefed the um, Speaker of Parliament as a courtesy as much as anything. He was the Prime Minister when um, Tonga successfully bid for the Games, so we've known the Speaker for quite a long time. We've also had a, uh, a media conference. Uh, we've had a briefing with the full uh, Tusanok executive and a number of their member sports to let them know what's happened. So, yes, unfortunate that the government wasn't open to, to negotiating with us. Were you surprised that that was their stance after all this? I mean, they obviously had indicated months ago, years ago, that they remained committed, they were going to host the Games, and obviously then came the announcement they were going to withdraw. Uh, Was there some optimism? We're not surprised at the outcome um, because the statements that the PM had made publicly going back for the last couple of weeks were pretty strong. I think one thing that surprised us yesterday in meeting with him was the concern appeared to be not so much over the actual cost of the games themselves, but rather the government's intention to prioritise other things. They wanted to look at um, other projects like a causeway and roads and various things that they've got on their agenda and um, their view, and I think it was shared by the other two ministers that were there, was that sport and the games were a low priority uh, for the government at the moment. So it wasn't so much that the games were too expensive, it was more that they wanted to use the funds that are available for other purposes. So I think that was surprising a little bit because the letter that the Prime Minister sent us when he withdrew stated that he could see the clear benefit of hosting the game and uh, sport we think should be a priority for the Tongan government and the Tongan people because of the benefits that it brings to health and uh, good quality of life and everything else. So yeah, I think that aspect was surprising to us, if not the outcome itself. The current and former finance minister in Tonga had both said the games were affordable. The games councils yourself had said there were you know, ways costs could be cut. I mean, it did seem clear in those last couple of weeks that they simply just didn't want to host the games and, as you say, had you know other things they would rather do. 
That's right, and uh, there's a process now that obviously through the Parliament has to be gone through its budget time here in Tonga. The Parliament is sitting um, throughout this month to pass the budget for the next financial year and in the preparation of the budget, the Pacific Games uh, is in there as expenditures for the coming year. So quite how they deal with that, we're not sure, but it was certainly part of the budget. It was, as the finance minister previously and the current one have said to it, the appropriations are there in the system to, to deliver the Games. So it's disappointing to know that the funds are there, but the government of the day doesn't want to allocate them to the Games as per you know, their responsibilities under the contract. Was there an explanation from the Prime Minister as to his change of mind in the sense that a few months ago in Parliament he quite clearly reaffirmed that you know Tonga was committed to the Games and obviously his statements of the last couple of weeks make it very clear that their view is now the opposite? Not really. I mean, we offered to go through the budget figures that they had. We've done a lot of work on the Games budget through the organising committee and we've got our estimates on, on the cost of the Games and we're not aware of the figures that the government is using and we know that they've talked about a report from 2013 which has been superseded by a number of other reports that show the positive economic growth and development to the country of, of hosting the Games. But the PM and the, and the ministers who were there, the two ministers uh, in support of him, really didn't want to go into detail of, of the budget and the, and the line items and the costs. They so said their minds made up and they're moving on. The next step, I guess, is uh, the PGC is going to seek legal advice about formally terminating the host agreement and uh, seeking damages for breach of contract, uh, and then I guess you're going to have to find a new host. That's right. So all of those steps are in train now. We've met a, a lawyer here, um, and we'll start those proceedings fairly quickly. We want to follow the rules. Uh, sports people and sports organisations always like to follow the rules, and we have rules under our contract that we have with the Tongan government and the Tusanok for these games uh, around how the contract is to be terminated in the event that it has to be, and government hasn't respected that process, but we want to because it's our event and it's our product, and we want to follow the rules. In the meantime, we'll be ramping up our efforts to go out to the other member countries and call for expressions of interest once we get through this month. But we have said to the Tongan Olympic Committee today and also to uh, the media, the Prime Minister may have closed the door to negotiations, but in good faith we said we'd give the country a month to sort out its, uh, its issues and you know, at the end of the month if there's been some sort of change or reversal, we're open to that. So whilst we are going to take steps to move forward, you know, the Tongan people should know that uh, it's in their hands now. If they want the Games, then they have to petition the government or whatever it is they have to do to try and reverse the decision. So even at this stage, there's still the world's smallest glimmer of hope that Tonga could keep the Games? <laughs> well, I mean, anything's possible in a democracy. <laughs> We've said before in, in, in other parts of the world where you've got democratic governments, if the government wants to go down a particular path and the people say no, we don't like that, we don't support that, governments have been known to change their mind. And if, if the government um, changes their mind here, then we don't want to be walking out of uh, Tonga tomorrow and, and say no, no, it's all over. We said we'd give the process until the end of June. We're disappointed that the government uh, didn't want to negotiate uh, with us yesterday, but you know, over the next couple of weeks as things go through the parliament with the budget and the games appropriations, uh, if the government changes its position, then we're open to keeping the games here, but we will go through a legal process now and, as I said, move forward towards the quite likely event the games aren't here and uh, we'll find a new home for them. And just how hard is it to, to find a new host and, and get everything 
up and running and ready in a little over two years. It's not going to be easy, and that's why I think we want to move forward fairly quickly uh, by the end of June. We've had a number of comments that have been made in the media around the region from various governments, and a couple of, of our members have spoken with us privately. We're confident that we'll find another country to host the Games based on those initial overtures, but as I said, we haven't. The Games Council has not called for expressions of interest yet, and we'll let this process play out here before we do that but we're fairly confident we'll find a home for the Games in 2019. That's the Pacific Games Council CEO, Andrew Minogue. Solomon Islands will face New Zealand in the final stage of Oceania FIFA World Cup qualifying after back-to-back victories over Papua New Guinea. The Bonitos prevailed three goals to two in Honiara before coming from a goal down to beat the hosts 2-1 in Port Moresby, sealing top spot in Group B ahead of Tahiti and PNG. Head coach Felipe Vega Arango Alonso told OFC TV that he was pleased with how his side kept themselves together after going behind early. They try hard, they fight. We were a little lucky with the expulsion of the player because when you play against 10, everything is a little bit easier. But even though the second half, PNG, which is a wonderful team, push really hard and we have to compete extremely, extremely, extremely hard today because PNG, to be honest with you, they did a wonderful job too and I am happy. I'm just happy right now. That's the Solomon Islands football coach, Felipe Vega Arango Alonso. The former Crusaders centre Kieran Fonatia says playing for Samoa against the All Blacks is a dream come true. The 29-year-old's been named to start in the 13 jersey on Friday night at Eden Park in a midfield pairing with former Hurricanes player Alapati Leua. He's yet to visit Samoa but says pulling on the Manu Blue has always been a goal of his. It comes from my granddad and my, my dad, obviously. Um, it's something that I've always always wanted to do is play for Samoa and get the opportunity, hopefully, to get an opportunity, it would just be pretty much a dream come true. When did you come to the decision to make yourself available for the money? It was sort of one of those things I had to do um, when I got overseas, by the way, sort of super rugby, the rulings of foreign players. So the easiest time was for me when I went overseas. So pretty much as soon as I got over there, I, I messaged my manager and, and asked them if I can throw my name in the hat to hopefully try to get a selection. What does it mean to your family to be representing Samoa? Oh, mate, uh, they're all pretty excited. Um, they're all coming to the game and flying from Christchurch. And yeah, I know my granddad's super proud and, and proud of where he comes from. And get a lot of messages from people you haven't heard of for a while coming out of the woodwork. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty exciting time for the family and, and myself. So, so he was born there? Yeah, jumped straight on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously you're based uh, over in uh, Ospreys now, aren't you? So um, that's a new environment, having spent so long uh, Tasman and the Crusaders, and, and obviously this is a brand new environment coming into the Manu Samoa setup as well. So now that you're there and you're amongst the team, what's what's the welcome been like? What's the what's the feeling like in camp? It's a uh, it's pretty tight tight group. Uh, a lot of these boys have been here for a while, um, and you can just tell how passionate I suppose they are. Our, our team is about playing for their country and the people and and just going to training, um, so physical when there's when there's when there's a bit of contact, and that's something I I love about the team already. And you can just tell the passion's there, and it's a different feeling to what I've what I've had in other teams. Like it's, I don't know, it's a lot more hearty. Like everything's a lot more hearty. It's, it's hard to put into words. And uh, obviously the prospect Kieran of a uh, test debut that's exciting in in, in any stretch. But uh, you know, in all likelihood, it'll be against the All Blacks, which uh, obviously uh, as someone who grew up here in New Zealand uh, and. Just the fact that the All Blacks are who they are, I mean, that's a hell of a way to make an introduction to Test Rugby. If I get selected like that, mate, it'll be just 
an unbelievable feeling to play a test match against the All Blacks in Eden Park would just be if that opportunity did happen and you wouldn't be able to write the script much better for me <laughs> in that case it would just be pretty awesome Have there been any uh, sly text messages to some of your old Crusaders teammates in black uh, about, about what they can expect? <laughs> I haven't been throwing out too much yet but I've caught up with a few of the boys and uh, uh, sort of just giving me a wee bit of a hard time about the about learning the new, new language and stuff like that but they caught up with uh, Matt Todd last night for a wee ice cream so yeah there's a bit of chat there there was a lot of new caps last year. I think something like 16 new faces in the Samoan team throughout the year as they continued to, I guess, develop and introduce players all ahead of trying to qualify for this World Cup in 2019. And there's some pretty important matches coming up in July, which I know are the key focus for the team. So a match against the All Blacks, uh, and then obviously you head home and you, and you get to face uh, Wales here as well. So uh, two yeah. very important matches um, to prepare yourselves as best as you possibly can for hopefully securing that World Cup qualification. It's pretty exciting, isn't it, um, coming up against some of these teams. Um, personally, like a, a lot of familiar faces against the teams they're playing against, which is always fun trying to get one up or uh, against, well, against your mates and stuff like that. So it's just exciting times for the team and, and moving forward. You're obviously a midfielder. Uh, there's there's a bit of a logjam there in the uh, Samoan lineup. A lot of talent in that midfield ranks, the likes of Ray Lilo, the likes of Alapati Leua. No guarantees with anything, is there? When you think about um, Samoan fans and players, like pretty much your loose forwards sort of come to head and your midfielders as big players part of the team. So just to be thrown in, in that category of all those guys at the moment, it's pretty special. I know I've got a tough job to try to get a spot on the team, but if the opportunity arises, I, I, I can't wait. And uh, what is the focus for the team this week? Obviously, to play against the All Blacks, uh, you know, a, a tough ask for any side, but uh, it is their first match of the season as well, so possibly a good time to get them. It's a special occasion for Samoa to have the match in Auckland as part of this double header with Tonga. There's probably going to be a very packed crowd with plenty of Samoan supporters there, so uh, how, how do you approach this one? Earlier in the week, um, we sort of went and had a parade and stuff like that, and then you just you just see how much it means to the Samoan community and, and, and how passionate they are about it, so... We just want to put pride in the jersey, um, not leave anything out there. And obviously, you, you, you go out, you, you never go into a game um, thinking that you're going to lose. So we're, we're going out there to, I suppose, create an upset. That's the Manu Samoa midfielder, Kieran Fonatia. The Flying Fijians were outclassed 37 14 by Australia in their first test of 2017. Head coach John McKee says they need to be more clinical with the ball in hand and take the opportunities when they're on offer. We did a lot of quite good things in the game, but you know, on the, on the scoreline for us, it was disappointing. We've got things to work on, but I think we can take a lot of positives from that game for our, the rest of our series going forward. Is it a case of you know creating opportunities or putting yourself in in some good situations and, and maybe just not executing? We had enough ball in that game to do very well, but we didn't execute as well as we needed to. With, with certainly our conversion rate of possession to uh, points was uh, poor in comparison to the Wallabies. In years gone by, games like this between Tier 1, Tier 2, between Pacific and you know the, the Sanzar Nations, the, the score lines were a lot bigger though. So do, do you take some heart from 37 points against Australia? Or do you think that shows that that competitiveness is growing? Oh, look, for certainly we're, we're closing the gap and, and you know we're working very hard to do that and with an eye forward to 2019, you know, that, that, that we hope that we can be very, very competitive. But, you know, we've got the immediate taste on hand of, of this series of games and that's what we're really focused on now. And, you know, we've got Italy this week, you know, quite a different team to uh, Australia. So we're focusing on a few things here and then and really looking at building our game across, across our June series towards the Rugby World Cup qualifiers, which are... Uh, Absolutely critical for us.
And it's one thing to have that one test. Uh, Tonga, of course, this Friday are playing Wales. That's their only T1 test of the year. But you guys had, I think, England last year. You've played them a few times in the last few years. Uh, you've obviously just had Australia. You've got Italy. Uh, and then after that, you've got uh, Scotland, isn't it? So uh, to be able to you know, have that one performance against Australia but actually have another game to be able to try and rectify some of the uh, mistakes from there or to, to learn from must be really valuable. We're very fortunate there that we have a very good... Um, Tier one program um, over you know the back end of last year and and certainly through this year, you know we we need to play those games to 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 get better. We're, you know we're sort of a top ranked tier two team, but we do know that there is a big step up and um, you know the performance required to be successful against the the tier one nations. How big a deal is it playing at home against these countries as well? I think a, a few years ago. Uh, I think Scotland might have visited as well, but uh, to to have Italy, to have Scotland coming to Fiji. The people here are so passionate on on the rugby. It's great that we can play these these big teams here here in Fiji. I think you know to get get them here on our on our own turf, so to speak. Um, you know, is, is an advantage for us. You know, we hope the the weather's nice and warm for them when they're down here. You know, won't won't worry our guys so much, but. You know, the, 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 our, our players. You know, our players play all around the world, and and, and there's a lot of pride for them to come back to their country and play for the flying Fijians in front of their families and, and their home fans. And I mean, that's it's, um, really important to us. You did have a few guys missing against the Wallabies. Are there players that are still kind of streaming back that will come into contention if it's uh, for Italy and Scotland, or if it's maybe not until July when you have those World Cup qualifiers? We've got players coming back in this week who are involved deep into the final series of the top 14. So they're joining us in camp this week. Yeah, we'll take a bit of a look. You know, I'm conscious of giving um, players who've had a long season up north a, a bit of a bit of a break to make sure that they're fresh when they play for us. But it's important they get into camp next this week and uh, get across our game plan and our team plays and, and, and really prepare. But, but, yeah, we certainly, you know, the, the objective is to have the strongest squad possible for those who will cut qualifiers in July so so we'll, we'll, we'll make a few changes around the team over these two test matches and, and, and settle on our best 28 players for the Rugby World Cup qualifiers. That's the Fiji rugby coach John McKee and that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley as always thank you very much for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.